For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Paperwise, of course, um, and rightly so. The examiner leads today with the death of Ava Barry at the age of 13. Um, and she, of course, is the daughter of uh, Vera Toomey and, uh, and Paul Barry and... Vera just fought such an incredibly powerful and brave fight to get the kind of treatment that Ava needed to control her seizures and indeed to give her a healthier and happier life. And it did for quite some time. And she also, Vera Toomey, was a trailblazer for other families who had children in a similar situation who had medicinal cannabis prescription licenses awarded to them. And that was because of the brave and Trojan work of Vera Toomey, who marched twice to the doll and literally wrote the book on the story. So the echo this morning says, Death of Ava, age 13, Vera's long battle to help her daughter Ava, um, and indeed not just Ava, her own daughter, but also other parents who were in similar positions to her. Uh, apparently, uh, Vera was... Uh, quoted at the weekend according to the examiner today Olivia Kelleher says that Vera said Ava is at peace now as she paid tributes to daughter after death it's very very sad she was only 13 years old she had Dravet's syndrome and passed away peacefully in hospital in Cork on Friday surrounded by her family she'd been in hospital following a recent illness and of course the story is remembered in both the examiner and uh, the uh, echo today, sadly, not really picked up nationally, the importance of this and the tragedy of this passing, uh, nor really uh, on RTE, who seem for some reason to be talking about things like uh, the elections in Turkey, the war in Ukraine, and the final episode of succession. But there you have it nonetheless. Uh, very, very sad story. And of course, I think I speak on behalf of all of us, don't I, when I say that our condolences uh, to Vera and indeed to Paul and all of the rest of the family, um, it must be absolutely an awful, awful thing to come to terms with. Um, Ava survived by her parents and her siblings, Michael, Sophia and Elvira May. Uh, so it's just awfully, awfully sad. And for some reason in my mind, I, I always thought that Ava, with the medicinal license and everything, would lead a, a long life and a healthy life and a happy life. But life can be so cruel and tragedy can strike, you know, and... Um, it's just so sad. It really and truly is. In other news this morning, and it's another story I'll be coming back to today, it's parents of family members who are in nursing home care, particularly the Beaumont Residential Care Nursing Home. Apparently, families are very worried now, and they are going to protest today outside the offices of the tarnished Michal Martin because this Cork nursing home, unfortunately, plans to pull out of the fair deal scheme unless payment rates are actually increased to them, that they can't afford to stay within the fair deal scheme. So as I say, more on that throughout the course of the morning because I hope to have an opportunity to talk to some of the families involved in this and hear their own life stories. Now, the story that we've dealt with in quite some detail uh, over the past few months is Piper's Funfair. It would look at this stage, lads, as if it's just not going to happen in Kinsale. You see, the story goes that the council were looking for a €60,000 bond. And I'm picking this up from this morning's examiner. And they rightly say that the council wanted sixty grand from Piper's to allow them to set up the fair because they put down new tarmac, of which they're very proud of. And they wanted uh, the sixty grand in case it got damaged. Really, I mean, 
this, you know, that, that, that's how you'd sum all of this up. Then, of course, there was all sorts of negotiations and they reduced the bond required from 60 to 30,000. But uh, Brendan Piper was unable to come up with the 30 grand, couldn't get the insurance to cover it, managed to raise 15,000 euro in cash, which he was willing to offer to the council. But that has not been uh, accepted. He said he has not had any response from council officials on any kind of a compromise offer to date. And I suppose Council now at this stage will just hope uh, that he will literally, I was going to say fold up the tent, but he never got an opportunity to unfold it and just go away. So the examiner's story today, Piper's Funfair unlikely to return to Kinsale this year. I think that's very, very sad. I really do, because there's other news, of course, over the weekend that we heard of other things that won't be happening on, on Lee side. Uh, texter got in touch with the weekend said I just found out that the Pride Festival held annually down on Kennedy Key will not now go ahead this year wait for it, apparently the organisers couldn't secure a licence for Pride uh, I'm told that the Gardaí didn't want to police it, this is a very successful and inclusive event held every year to celebrate what is good in the world and it now seems it's gone the way of Oktoberfest and the Nightmare Realm exiled from our city as the powers that be in authority stand in the way. We should be doing everything we can to help ensure festivals and events like this can be held in Cork, not forcing them to move to a more tolerant and open, and they'll go to more tolerant and more open-minded towns and cities and they'll leave Cork. So, unfortunately, Oktoberfest, the Nightmare Realm, the Pride Festival, and now it seems Piper's in Kinsale. What are you going to do? Papers also today talk, unfortunately, I hate starting the week like this, but potentially more mortgage rates set for another increase uh, this summer. According to the front page of uh, the Independent today, they're suggesting that home loans could hit 5.5%. Uh, while, of course, you all know of the fact that, uh, you know, one of the big reasons why people can't rent a property is because they're all on Airbnb. And the star this morning says there are eight times more family homes on Airbnb compared with properties available for long-term rentals. There's nothing new in that. Um, from time to time, we have a little dive in to see the comparisons between daft.ie and Airbnb. Um, and you see vast amounts of properties up on Airbnb. Three bedrooms, four bedrooms, apartments, all sorts of things like that, duplexes and very little for general rental. So that's the story that makes the star today. Unfortunately, um, there was a very bad fire above in Dublin that makes the front of the mail. Thankfully, no one was injured. Uh, but the building, Falcon View Complex Apartments, was extensively damaged and many of them uh, many of the, a lot of the damage and, and the actual fire itself was, was filmed by people with their mobile phones and posted on social media. Um, it's interesting because Simon Harris now will step out of justice and, uh, of course, Helen McEntee will come back from maternity leave. But just before he goes, he says that um, there, are too, too, there are too many people going to jail. He says that fewer people should be sent to prison for minor crimes. It's a story that makes the mail today. I wonder if you'd agree with that, that, you know, the more prisons you build and the more prisoners you put in them, they'll always fill up. But maybe that's not the proper way to go about it. Um, they don't in the article in this morning's mail this morning actually say what the minor crimes are. But it's an interesting one making the Indo because they talk about some crimes, and these are traffic offences, of course, uh, where penalty point offences fell last year with speeding uh, down by 9%, which I find quite interesting because if you ever drive at the weekends, particularly in country roads going from A to B, you see some unbelievable lunatics driving on the road and you wonder do they ever ultimately get caught but apparently according to the survey today Cork has had a drop of 15.4% year on year with the amount of penalty points 
that have been issued to drivers. So that can't be a bad thing. Uh, there are a lot of other statistical numbers making the papers today, like the amount of nurses and midwives that continue to be assaulted in the workplace. If it were in any other job, uh, this would not be tolerated in any way, shape or form. But yet we've 848 nurses and midwives assaulted at work in just four months, not four years, four months. And then, of course, it is festival season. Uh, and, of course, we've got Live at the Marquee that kicked off for the weekend and lots of music festivals. Uh, and there's a dangerously potent MDMA, dangerously potent ketamine and very, very dangerously potent cocaine um, available now for uh, use in the Irish market, particularly at festivals. How do we know this? Uh, Because they're testing them at various uh, festivals and various music festivals. In fact, some punters have anonymously given up some small numbers of the drugs to be tested uh, and they are potent and uh, it's literally just a warning to people that like to go to festivals or maybe take drugs at festivals um, you know, think twice about what you're taking because it could have do irreparable damage to the body and the brain. And then there was 900 kids who were admitted into Irish hospitals, 900. Uh, an awful lot of them under 18, uh, boys and girls, uh, for alcohol and drug poisoning, according to the STAR. And they looked at it and the substances apparently that were recorded in the hospital included paracetamol, cocaine, cannabis and heroin. Papers also this morning talk about festivals in another way and that is that they just can't get staff to work them. It's an online story that I saw this morning where they're trying to find 1,700 people to take summer jobs at Ireland's biggest and best gigs and festivals. It's just impossible to get staff. It could be the festivals, it could be hotels, it could be restaurants, it could be pubs. I've even seen signs up for takeaways and chippers saying we've had to close. We've had to restrict our opening hours. We can't get staff. And one or two funny ones that do make the papers today uh, is a mum who was making the Sunday dinner. uh, And instead of a bisto, it's a Cristo looking up at her on top of the gravy uh, was what she said looked like an image of Jesus Christ. Now, she wasn't sure whether it was Jesus Christ or was it actually Karl Marx. She also said that her son is a big fan of the doors and absolutely believe that it was actually Jim Morrison uh, but she had took a photograph of it and it does look correctly as she said uh, like someone unkempt with luscious hair and a beard well it would have to be Jesus Christ wouldn't it um, and also the papers this morning do a lovely thing that I saw at the weekend with regards to many of the old phrases that we used to use and still do to some extent where they were explaining where they all came from like for instance giving someone the cold shoulder where did that come from? Giving the cold shoulder, shoulder is to be deliberately unfriendly to someone. Apparently, in medieval times, hosts would give out pieces of cold pork uh, shoulder to guests to encourage them to leave. As in, there's no more to be got here except the cold shoulder. Um, or break a leg. Where did I go on and break a leg? Well, they give different explanations for that. But the one that I like is that if a man was too short for his horse, doctors would break his legs in the hope that they'd grow longer. So that's where the phrase break a leg. Turn a blind eye had to do with Horatio Nelson who used his blind eye to ignore the orders and went on to win the Battle of Copenhagen. And another quick fast one for you because there are loads of them. Biting the bullet. Bite the bullet. Bite the bullet meaning do something difficult. Um, you know, you know, just, just do it. Might frighten you, but just do it. Apparently during battlefield surgery, Patients were made to bite on bullets to distract themselves from the pain. I may come back to some more of those throughout the course of the morning, but we'll leave it there for now. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Chan with Rory about the events involving um, uh, Cork City uh, and Shamrock Rovers. And again, nothing at all to do with the actual game or what happened in the pitch. It was these idiots who were looking down in from uh, the uh, rooftop bar uh, adjacent to it. Um, Josh, uh, Josh Bradley is the son of Stephen Bradley. And Josh underwent treatment for leukaemia last year. Um, and of course, his father is absolutely livid. He's quoted in this morning's Independent as saying, it's disgusting what they were saying, the vile chanting directed at the team and indeed at him and his son. Uh, I'm going to put in a report to the police singing about my son, he said after uh, the match. You take stick as a football person. That comes with that. It comes with it, but that's your job and that's fine. But speaking about a sick nine-year-old is disgusting and Cork City should be ashamed of them. Uh, I want them, the fans involved, banned for life. That's disgusting. That is no place in football or society. It is disgusting behaviour. I got a text in the this morning it's very short it's very to the point with regards to those morons at the Cork City game I lost my six-year-old son to cancer can't go on air I am absolutely livid well we understand how Stephen Bradley must feel uh, about what was said uh, but Cork City and those involved in it were very very quick uh, to react uh, Dermot Usher is Cork City Football Club's owner joins me by phone Dermot good morning Neil good morning how are you good have, have they been identified and have they been banned Okay, so at the moment, there's two people have admitted to uh, chanting. Um, there's a possibility there may be a third person involved. Um, so there's still a bit of um, uh, work going on to try and identify if that third person uh, was involved or not. But I can confirm, you know, I haven't spoken to the two people involved yet, personally myself, uh, but you can take it from me that those two people are going to be banned for life from the club. Yeah. This very much oversteps the boundaries of friendly banter and a bit of crack at a match, doesn't it? Uh, completely. And like, I even know from, say, my own experience of owning a club, and obviously from Stephen's point of view, he mentioned in that article that, you know, you take a little bit of uh, abuse, or people, think, people seem to think they have the right to, to shout what they, what they want at you. Um, but there comes a line, and there, there seems to be a disconnect, I think, for some reason, between what people are shouting um, and realizing that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Stephen Bradley is a, is a, is a human being. He's got feelings. Um, his son, you know, has been extremely ill. Um, he's living through that currently. Mm. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just, I just, it's, it's, I don't, it's not a, I think it's a societal thing more so than even just a football thing. I, I don't know. Yeah, but it's, unfortunately, uh, the limelight, the limelight regarding soccer has been, you know, all too often very, very negative with regards to stuff like this. There's been awful issues with regards to racism and racist chanting, certainly overseas. And now it seems as if this, this also blows down yet another boundary where somebody can or a group of idiots can have a go at a child with leukemia battling cancer I mean where, like, yeah it, it, it does and it, look the line has been crossed and we, we as a club are making a stand very very quickly and clear on this we will not tolerate any sort of behaviour like this going forward you know we're, we're, it's a family club there's so many you know I just point out that you know the chanting that went on was when the stadium was, was empty everybody left the ground at that stage that doesn't excuse anything obviously uh, so no kids or anything heard what, what, what was being said but the bottom line is this is a family club it's Cork City we are better than this and it is not a true representation of what I know the, 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 the true Cork City fans are totally um, my, yeah. Absolutely. My my experience since I've come into the club hasn't been nothing nothing but positive. Uh, I've gotten a huge welcome, and it's just there was a 
couple of idiots um, who decided they could shout what they want. Yeah, and the reaction and was the reaction was swift. But do, do you think it will damage the Cork City Football Club in the eyes of other clubs or the Irish soccer nation? No, I think I think for us, I think I think there's going to be maybe some good out of this situation is going to come. I think as a club, I think so far we've received very positive feedback as regards how we've handled it. Um, I think I'd like to certainly, you know, there's, there's two people within the club: Robbie Keller, head of security, and Aina Buckley in particular as well as the COO. Um, his experience as, as regards managing this and getting onto it very very quickly on Friday night. Um, you know, I'm surrounded by really really good people in the club, and this is just a perfect example of it. Did you get in touch after this uh, with Stephen Bradley himself, I wonder? Yeah, I met Stephen yesterday um, and it's a bit ironic that I had asked Stephen about three weeks ago to do a favour for me yesterday. Um, there was a big um, a, a club up in, up in Salins where they were having a 25-year anniversary blitz and I'd asked them to uh, come and you know give out medals to kids and everything, um, and he was there to do that. So I, I spoke to him at that yesterday. Look, he was with his family, so we didn't touch too much on it. But you know, I apologise to the club, and we're very we're both very aware of, of what's gone on, and he knows that we're dealing with the problem. Okay, is this something that Angarda Shikana should be looking at? Got an interesting text from Sean saying, "Would this incident fall under new hate laws? Would there be any role for a guard investigation with these individuals?" Well, the guards are investigating. Are, are investigating it. Uh, I know yesterday they were down um, in the pub um, with Stephen Heapy collecting CCTV. We also have we have a GoPro camera at the back of the, of the goals, uh, which is which is live sound recording. So we're in a position, you know, that that's been recorded and the chanting can be heard. And to be honest, it wasn't just that chanting; there was other chanting that were done before that as well. Which once this is dealt with, we'll move on to that um, and what we're going to do then is just time lapse, you know, sync the GoPro camera with the CCTV that was in the Corner House, flat, the corner house pub um, Can you give us any ideas to the nature of the other chanting or is that part of an investigation? No, I, 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 I just, no it's not part of the current investigation but no, I'm just going to park that for the moment but there, there was other chanting that was going on and again, it was to do with a connection with a, a Shamrock Rovers player um, and something that had happened in his personal life as well so it was just... Oh, it's just man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So, you know, we talk about a, a lifetime ban. Does that also yeah. include away games? Um, I, I can only give a lifetime ban for for Cork City because that's what I'm in control of um, what other clubs do or decide to do that that's their choice but I can only look after Cork City at the moment OK I'm, ju- I'm just wondering whether a lifetime ban could be rolled out against these individuals from any FAI club I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer okay, to that. Okay, okay. Again, you are right when you say that this does not in any way, shape or form reflect upon the club. Unfortunately, sport and all too often soccer does um, attract a, a kind of an element like this. Um, but it's the quick reaction of you and the team and the club actually saying we're not going to tolerate that you're banned for life no absolutely not but it's also very important that families realise that you know we have a, a, a you know John Kennedy God rest him you know created the, the family enclosure in, in the Donny Ford stand up at the St. Anne's end it's very much a family section as well so there's it's very much a family club and we're very much encouraging families to come along there's an opportunity on Monday mon- on this day next week we're playing Bohemians at home that's a perfect opportunity for the court, people of Cork to come out and show their support for the club mm, good stuff thanks for taking the call Darren. Do appreciate it, Dermot Osher, Cork City Football Club owner. Um, as usual, you'd have been at the game because you're just, uh, you know, avid Cork City supporter. Uh, do you see or hear any of this? I didn't hear any of this. I'd be totally honest. We were well gone. Um, we were in the pub afterwards, celebrating what was corner flag. 
No, not in the corner okay. flag okay. in the Turners Cross Tavern is okay. where we went afterwards. Um, and there was a group of us, I'd say maybe about five or six of us that were. Was kind it of a involved. hostile match? Um, I, you know what? It wasn't a hostile match, but like the referee on the day, Sean Grant, gave a lot of. He gave three red cards to Shamrock Rovers players, which kind of put an edge to the game because obviously Rovers are very unhappy with the refereeing. Their fans were unhappy with the refereeing. They felt hard done by. He said he scored with about 10 minutes to go. I mean, for us, it was great. You know, they were a very old rival to Shamrock Rovers, and it's been a while since we've been playing them in the league. Yeah, so to yeah. come and to get a get, get a bit lucky and over the line was very enjoyable. But then we got back to the pub and we saw, we were just looking at the, the forums and we saw this up and. I mean, like, you don't even need to say that this isn't acceptable. Do you know what I mean? This is the most obviously unacceptable, like, outrageous thing to say to a man who, like, to be fair, he doesn't, son he doesn't even have to share about his son either, you know? He didn't have to share that information, and he's been open and honest about what's going on in his life, which he doesn't have to do. And, like, I don't look, we, all those words have been used already. I think you do, you know, just saying earlier you know I know yourself and Rory were talking and you're saying you can't call them fans but like you have to accept and you have to take ownership of the fact that sometimes these idiots do follow our football yeah but if they were real fans they'd be at the match not loft and pints I know what you mean but you have to understand that as you know like there are a certain amount of if they were real fans they'd be Firstly, they wouldn't be chanting, and they'd be all over somebody else if they were oh, yeah. chanting. I mean, so yeah, absolutely, fans. and it's the same thing. Like we were in the shed; I was in the middle of the shed on Friday, and lots of chanting and the usual stuff, but absolutely nothing like that. Nothing like. And that. apparently, another investigation may follow with regards to chanting from somebody or some group about a player's personal life. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just, but I, I think, I think for the vast majority of people, there's a very clear line there in terms of what's what's acceptable and I, I do like the fact that in football there is a bit of an edge I'm not going to lie I like the fact that you can kind of have a go off the dubs and you can have a go back and not you everybody take, has yeah, to be you, nicey you take nicey it and, and you give it but there's a line that but must there's not a be crossed very clear line uh, yeah, did you interact with any of the um, Shamrock Rovers fans afterwards? yeah I, I thought it was very strange so the Rovers fans are normally up on the far end of the pitch they were brought back down but back actually across the front of the Car Road um, side where all the city fans were leaving and we were kind of in the middle of the shed so a lot of the lads wouldn't be wearing colours and they'd be kind of identified as one of the main we're, we're the hardcore I suppose City fans so a couple of the Rovers fans identified us and started coming up and squaring up to us and saying what do does that want? mean squaring up uh, just saying like oh do you want some you know do you want, want like kind of thing it was stupid like do you green street yeah you? green street stuff they've probably seen it on a movie somewhere in some Millwall wannabes so what do you, you know? do when, when that happens uh, just, just said nothing and walked on like just ignored them do you know what I mean? just, just like, but you're a big lad. What if you were a, maybe a 55 kilo, uh, four foot eight I, young fellow? Honestly, face? these guys were surrounded by Gardy. I think it was just posturing. I really think it was just this posturing from the fact that they lost. They felt like they had to save face because their team lost, but we took the three points. And like again, and this is this is the disappointing thing. Like, and it's not to take away from the seriousness of what's going on, but obviously that seems to now be dealt with. And also, I think we have a caller on on the line there about a, a potential fundraising effort by Cork City fans, which would be fantastic. You know, end this saga. Yeah, but, but is it over? The, I mean, are Shamrock Rovers happy to come back again? Is is, oh yeah, I, is I, Stephen Brandley happy to bring look, his team? I to think Cork? Stephen Bradley is 
has has very uh, strong shoulders and I think he's dealt with this very well he's called out the supporters that, that were involved in it He's he hasn't said all of Cork City fans are like this he said Cork City fans should no, be ashamed no. of these individuals which we are and you can very clearly see that but I don't think there'll be any cases of that again as a matter of fact I wouldn't be surprised if Bradley got a good reception the next time he comes to turn so because the Gardaí are investigating Gardaí are, are still currently investigating and look hopefully these guys okay. if it is under hate crime laws I think most people can accept that you know ins- like you know insulting okay. and chanting at a man over his son who is sick with leukemia is probably considered hate you know it's it's probably in the realm of, of to be considered well know? let the guy get like, on with their investigation sorry just the atmosphere on Friday like I've never experienced an atmosphere like it in, in in the last two or three seasons ever since we've been in Europe and winning leagues that is the best atmosphere we've had and we we're, I was involved with the commando lads and they were spending the last two or three weeks making a banner there's a huge amount of effort from the supporters goes into making it a great atmosphere and then you have two idiots or three idiots that just ruin the whole How thing How do you, know? you ban somebody from the turnstile how does that work so as far as I'm aware their names are shared uh, and they have there's a photo or whatever or CCTV footage shared and then those on the gate are able to identify them and say look no sorry you're not allowed in now it would be in the case before where fellas like Robbie Kelleher who would be the head of security would they would liaise with other clubs and all the clubs would liaise with each other to make sure there's no unsavoury elements getting into away grounds because obviously you don't know who in Shamrock Rovers has been an issue for the last couple of weeks you don't know if there's somebody from Dundalk who's been scrapping with somebody you know so though that normally that information is shared but I don't know now with the GDPR whether that can be done um, I certainly know right. that like you know okay. you certainly searched fairly heavily coming into the cross and all that but in terms of turning people away um, home teams can do it I just don't know what can be done for away teams I don't want to preempt a guard investigation but I think that is a good thing and I think if there's enough evidence stacking up on behalf of Vanguardia Shikana that it would become an investigation that would lead to some sort of a court appearance and that would really send a lesson out mm. really big Absolutely. time. Absolutely, and that's, um, that's what it needs to have okay. real life consequences. Okay, and just very finally, uh, and I'll, I'll just take a quick break and then get some more calls on the air Will the FAI fine Cork City for this? Very possibly very possibly, the FAI certainly aren't afraid to fine Cork City when it comes to lots of other things, so I can't imagine why they wouldn't find them over this. Even um, though it wasn't technically in the ground? I I, look, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, okay. it's, it, that's the FAA. it's up to the FAI to decide how to do that. I suspect Cork City, if they were to think about doing that, Cork City's swift action has certainly uh, mitigated, mitigated against okay. a lot of that, but never, out, never you know, underestimate the FAI's ability to see an opportunity to make some money out of something. So. Thanks for that. Appreciate it, Kevin. As always, text 0868 104 uh, particularly if you were there or you heard it or you can add anything to the story back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 Cork's Red FM. Not a rivalry always on the pitch with regards to Cork City and Sharma Grovers. This we know. They call it a controversial defeat to Cork City. 1-0 uh, was the victory for Cork City. Three Rovers players were sent off. But Stephen Bradley says, with regards to the chanting about his son who is battling leukaemia, it's disgusting. I'm going to put a report into the police singing about my son. You take stick as a football person that comes with it. That's your job and that's fine but speaking about a sick nine-year-old is disgusting and Cork City should be ashamed of themselves I want them banned for life there was swift action of course from Cork City and that's what will happen 
at the very least. We'll have to see what happens with Angarda Shikona. Uh, how endeavour, he has also said that he himself will be going to Angarda Shikona. And uh, perhaps he still intends to do that. He may have done it already. Declan McCormick joins me. Um, he's a long-time Cork City fan. Uh, he's got the, he's one of the other three amigos, the podcast, the Cork City fans. Um, Dermot, good morning. Declan, sorry, good morning. Were you at the, were you at the match? I was, Neil. I did, was. Did, did you hear any of this, see any of this, witness any of this? No. Um, as I said, I believe it was 40 minutes or so after full time. So um, I, I had left at that stage, you know. What about the match itself, though? Um, was there any other incidences there? I mean, or was there, was, did, did you witness any kind of hostility? No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all, Neil. Okay. Um, it was just a run of the mill League of Ireland. Obviously, three red cards is not run of the mill, you know, but that was on the pitch, off the pitch. I didn't witness anything okay. Um, okay. in any way untoward, okay. you know. So other than that, as Kevin was saying, a great atmosphere and a fantastic advert for, um, you know, League of Ireland soccer. Unfortunately, this incident has, has marred it. Um, you, you also are involved in a fundraising drive, aren't you? Uh, with the blessing of the Bradley family, I believe. Yes, look, I mean, um, we were approached by, by, by a few Cork City fans who had the idea of maybe trying to raise some money on the back of this incident and turning this, this negative, maybe trying to turn it into some form of a positive. Um, and they, they felt that maybe, look, we were the ones with the profile to be able to do it. So um, we touched base with Shamrock Rovers, who in turn put us in touch with the Bradley family and Bradley family were happy to give their blessing. They were very keen that the Oscars kids charity should be one of the beneficiaries of any monies raised. Um, Oscars kids, the charity that helps children diagnosed with cancer across the world. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, they have an Irish operation, so yeah. it's, it's the Irish operation. And the Irish operation of that and Bumbleance, yeah. which is the children's ambulance service. So you've kicked that off to try and, okay, show exactly um, you know what Cork people are really like. Exactly. It's it's look. What happened Friday night will never be changed, and it will it, it will still be spoken about in twenty thirty years time. Unfortunately, you know. But there is an opportunity to say, look, let's let don't let that incident define Cork City fans and Cork people in general, and and let's do something else that can maybe um, help change the narrative a small bit. You know, mm. um, and that's what we've tried to do. Look, we've launched it about an hour ago. It's heading for 800 euros already. I don't know what it will get to. Um, but look, if people are in a position to donate any singular amount of money from, you know, from a euro off, it would be fantastic. And as I said, um, hopefully we can we can change the narrative ever so slowly. Okay, you know? okay. flip this on its head and get yeah. something positive yeah. out of it because we can't turn the clock back on what these idiots said. Lifetime ban, it, it, do you think that's enough? Um, should this be a prosecutable offence? Look, I'm 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 not a legal expert, Neil. You know, um, as far as I'm aware, as Dermot said earlier, I heard a man, the guard here investigating. We just have to leave that take its course. If it ends up in front of a judge, then so be it. You know. Um, but outside of that, I'm not sure, I'm not really sure what I can okay. say on it. To okay. Be honest, well, you know? they apparently at least two have been identified, according to uh, yeah. Cork City and, and their sponsors and uh, the Garda Shukana are certainly uh, investigating. So if somebody wants to, you know, get on board and say, okay, this is a great idea, let's turn this negative into a positive and help children with cancer, how can they do so? Sure. Um, we can, we're, we're using the iDonate website um, online. So the URL is simply idonate.ie forward slash CCFC, as in Cork City Football Club. 
okay. So can I can I share that then? I share that absolutely. link. Absolutely, okay. absolutely. It's all over our social media profiles. Um, so you can absolutely share it by all means. Okay, so you're saying I donate.ie forward slash fundraiser forward slash ccfc. There's no need for the fundraiser, just forward slash CCFC. All right, I donate.ie forward slash CCFC. Give what you can. And already it's raised 800 since it launched an hour ago. We'll drive that on. Best of luck with it. It's a great idea. Thanks for taking the call, Declan. Thanks a million, Neil. Cheers, my man. I donate.ie forward slash CCFC. FC. Listen, um, just breaking news there about 15 minutes ago. There's a big traffic holdup outside the bus station, understandably, but more importantly, a man on the road has been seriously injured, uh, apparently knocked down by uh, the... Um, uh, it says... Uh, actually, we've got a problem here because that says the bus station and the text is saying the train station. Do we know exactly which one it is so that people know there's a problem in the area? Um, yes, it actually is the train station. Uh, so be aware of that. But, um, you know, more importantly, somebody's been hurt and I hope that everything is OK and then he makes a full recovery. Incidentally, um, we were talking earlier on about the tragic and sad passing of uh, Ava Barry. Um, and I see um, Liam at uh, Goldberg's pub was texting over the weekend or at least tweeting over the weekend with regards to um, the Irish Sunday Mirror's front page. I have to say, I 100% agree with what he's saying. He says, I'm speechless at the lack of respect by the Irish Sun Sunday, the Irish Sunday Mirror uh, from yesterday. The front page had a picture of two fakes who no one in Ireland gives an actual damn about, Holly and Phil, and consigns the news that Vera Toomey's beautiful daughter, Ava, who Vera campaigned tirelessly uh, for, has sadly died, to a little sidebar article on page 13. The newspapers should be utterly ashamed of themselves. And I hadn't seen the Sunday Mirror, because I don't read the Sunday Mirror, I read enough newspapers during the week. Uh, but he did show an attachment then on his uh, Twitter and his Facebook post showing the front uh, of the Irish Sunday Mirror and indeed the very sad, tragic news of Ava's passing way inside. But it, it, it's, a, it's a story, actually, that really should be dominating all of the news, all of the newspapers and, you know, all of the radio stations. Because it's just so, so sad considering... Uh, the bravery of uh, Ava's mother and family and the bravery of Ava herself. But it also got, got me thinking about this this show this morning. I mean, how many people in Ireland actually watch it anyway? You know, they, I think they've got viewership numbers of something in the region of 700,000 across the UK, which sounds quite paltry to me, unless I read the numbers wrong. So what proportion of Irish people would actually be watching that show in the first place or even give a damn about the ongoing saga involving This Morning uh, and Schofield and Willoughby and what have you and all of the rowing and all of the carry-on. Uh, and the, the way it's dominating the news here is just completely OTT. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back to the phones. Michelle, good morning. Morning, Neil. How, how, how long is this in we chatted? Was it back in March or April? It was April. OK, April. Um, and again, I see um, a lot of media coverage uh, centred on you and the family again over the weekend, uh, certainly in the Irish Examiner. Just remind everybody of, of the backstory regarding Leah and not being able to go to school and being sent home back in October. OK, so um, Leah wasn't in school through COVID, obviously. Um, she'd been very ill before COVID, in and out of hospital the whole time with pneumonias, um, due to refluxing her food. She was fed um, a milk feed that you get from the chemist 
um, since she's born through a pump which goes directly into her stomach. Mm. And then when we were at home during COVID, um, I was sick of her getting sick and I said I was going to try something else. So I woke up one morning and I said, that's it, you're getting porridge for your breakfast. So I gave her a blend of the porridge with a banana and I um, drew it up with a syringe and I put it down her tube and she was fine. And then for lunch, I gave her soup and brown bread um, the same way. And then for dinner, she had stew. Mm. And she didn't get sick and everything was fine. And I never looked back and I never gave her the blended diet, or sorry, the milk feed ever again. again. Yeah. She, she gained like six, uh, sorry, 30 percent of her body weight in less than six months. Mammy knows and best. Now she has, yeah. she has a rare chromosome disorder, which is delaying. It's resulting yeah. in severe developmental delays. But you've seen a really improvement, have you, since that change? I have, yeah. She's a different girl, to be honest with okay. you. And what school was she going to? She was going to St. Paul's in Cope. Okay, okay. And, um, uh, you know, during COVID, she obviously wasn't going to school because I was afraid of my life. And then um, after COVID, we said, you know, she's ready to go back to school and we had to go up to the school during the summer to give training to the SNAs and the teachers in the class on how to give the blended diet with the syringe. But um, because, which I find hard to understand is that Leah's the, the only person in St. Paul's on this diet, even though there's, there's a lot of people that are trying to get onto the blended diet because they know the health benefits or whatever. Mm, mm. But um, so the, the teachers and the SNAs were trained how to give her her lunch. And she was in school for three weeks. And then we just got a phone call one day from the principal and they were very upset. And they said that um, the union had said that it's not the SNA or a teacher's role to feed Leah with a syringe that it has to be done by a nurse so the nurse in St. Paul's there's only one, um, there's 90 kids in school over 90 and there hasn't been um, an, another nurse added to St. Paul's um, for years since do you, do, do you accept what the union is saying regarding the teachers nor the SNAs can give a syringe feed? Well, I suppose it's not their job, you know, but it's it's not, I, I'm not a teacher or a nurse and I can give it, you know, but it's, it all comes down to um, policies and so on. So, so back I'm home she ask. goes, where she yeah. has been for the past seven months. Yeah. Now, bizarrely, the examiner's update on this this morning talks about all of the different departments that we have within the Irish government that they were in touch with. They started with the HSE and they said, get on to the Department of Health and get on to the Department of Education. They did that. The Department of Education said, go back to the HSE. The Department of Education also said it wasn't their matter, it was the Department of Health. The Department of Health then said that it was within the remit of the Department of Children and not the Department of Health. The Department of Children apologised for the delay in replying, but said they'd been waiting on information from the HSE. And then they directed the school principal to apply for a pilot nursing scheme for which he had already been refused. All of the departmental and ministerial spokespeople said that they can't comment on individual chaos. You've just been bounced around from numerous yeah. government departments and ended back where you started. Yeah, that's what it's like. It's a vicious circle and it's 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 just not fair. You'd feel like you're getting somewhere one week, and then and then it just comes right back to where you started. So, um, meanwhile, Leah's sitting at home, looking at the four walls of the house for the last seven months, um, not seeing her 
her friends and, and, and getting to socialise with other kids. And she loved school. She, you know, she loved the, the music and the, um, the art classes and so on. And I know, I know Leah can't walk or talk, but she loves people, so she loves watching people. That's one of the things Leah loves. She loves watching ah, she's, people. She's, must be, she's very cognizant as to what's going on around her because she's got beaming smiles and she does a lot of yeah. reacting, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. I know exactly that. I know that she understands what I'm saying. I really do. Yeah. And yeah. anybody that knows Leah really well will say the same. But she knows, and we always say, if she ever talks, God help us, because she has so many secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but but, um, but tell me, would it, would it be an option for a family member, yourself or whomever, to feed her at lunch in school? Uh, the thing is, is that she's fed a couple of times. You can't feed Leah too much, too oh, often. Like, you have to space it out. Um, and um, otherwise, she will get sick. Um, she's only got a um, a certain threshold to give, you know, that you can only give her it's so many periods, every kind and of And you must feel so that. responsible and almost guilty to her, you know, that, um, you know, as yeah. if like you should be, this, it shouldn't be this way on your watch as a mum. No, like I just had a new baby. I, um, this house is literally crazy at the moment and she is in the middle of it all, but she should be at school. She should be going on school tours with her class. You know, stuff that other kids are doing. She should be doing all of that. And she loved going on the bus with, with her friends every morning. The bus would collect her. The um, assistant on the bus would be all about Leah, admiring her bow. The kids on the bus would be all chat to Leah. And she loved it. She'd go off beaming every morning. And all that has been taken away. Now, she's left with me, um, which which is fine, but... She's left with me and her Jack and Jill nurses who come in. A I know. Times. And even the principal of St. Paul's also understands your plight because Anne Hartnett said that they desperately need at least one additional nurse. Like they had 97 Indeed. pupils there. Yeah, but that's the thing. Even when the school had two special classes that needed nursing care, there was one nurse um, assigned. Now there is something like eight classes, but the nursing position is still one. It's still one nurse. So even if someone... Um, in Leah's school wanted to do the blended diet. They're just no. told they can't and because the huge, they don't have the nursing. And the difference the health benefits made. are yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, the difference Leah that it's literally made. skin and bone. Um, so anytime she got sick, she had no reserve. Now, one, I think the reason why she stayed out of hospital is because she's so much healthier. But two, ever, if she ever did get sick, I know that she's got the reserve in her to help fight whatever illness she has. I don't know why it has to be so difficult for people, you know, particularly when we're awash with money and spend it in all sorts of different Mm. ways. Like, uh, you know, the selective help in this society of ours is just criminal, it really is. Do you you hope that, um, you know, again, talking to the likes of myself and indeed also the examiner this morning, that it might push some doors open for you? Well, I hope so. Even though the last time I was on, there was there was a bit of commotion for a day or two, and then it just went silent again. So, and I really want to get this sorted before the school breaks up because I need a plan in place for Leah going back to school in September. I know, of course, you so don't need this worry. Needs to happen now between here and when the school breaks up, I just hope that somebody listens and somebody takes responsibility. Oh, We're only asking for one more nurse to help in the school. 
um, to take the pressure off the existing nurse who is run off her feet. Okay. She doesn't okay. even get to have a lunch. She break. doesn't, and I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. Well, here's yeah. hoping that talking again and highlighting again might make some difference. Leah, thanks uh, Thanks for the update, um, Michelle, on your behalf yeah. and on behalf of Leah. Our thoughts are with you, all right? Okay, thanks, Neil. Cheers for Bye. now. Uh, back after 10, I'll be picking up on this, actually, and, and just also highlighting, um, you know, more light, really, on the inequities in this in this country. You know, it really is shocking. Uh, after 10, that text, actually, that I got wrong saying about that accident, it was incorrect, correct. That accident involving the elderly man was actually outside the bus station. I've had that confirmed now, and I hope that the elderly gentleman is okay. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. A little bit of housekeeping. Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend and got out there and enjoyed it, whatever you did. Now you're back at work or back in the workplace, whatever the case may be, and maybe you're feeling like you deserve a treat. Monday munchies again today, courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts uh, on French Church Street. And depending on the size of the company that you're working for, the group that you're with or volunteering with or whatever your colleagues may be, it could be upwards of five boxes of uh, donuts. That would be 60 donuts, depending on the size of the business. And they include cookies and cream, caramel crumble, peanut butter cup, chocolate orange, salted caramel pecan, and the classic glazed and many more. So you need to tell us who you are and where you are and why you deserve our Monday Munchies treat. We'll pick a winner and have them delivered this lunchtime courtesy of Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. So text or WhatsApp 86 That's 086-8104-106. Who you are and where you are and why you deserve the donuts. We'll do the shout outs in about an hour's time as that wasn't enough for you we're heading into gig season the marquee kicked off at the weekend um, and Musgrave Park will also do something likewise so right across this week we have double pairs of tickets for various gigs that are happening either at the marquee or indeed at Musgrave Park but this week it's Musgrave Park and today uh, George Ezra tomorrow Paolo Nutini Wednesday Florence and the Machine Thursday Codaline and Friday the 1975 now I think if you compare lineups, and you know, we've we've had a really great years at the Marquee, super super gigs. I could be here all morning talking about the gigs, uh, but this year a little bit more lackluster. They're 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 decent enough, but if you look at the two lineups, I'll get into trouble for saying this. I know I will. <laughs> Musgrave Park is rocking in the gigs department of late, and there's some great gigs that I have for you: George Ezra, Paolo Nutini, Florence and the Machine, uh, Codaline, and the 1975. So tickets for those to give away right across the week. More about that a little later on. Quick shout out actually that I didn't get to on Friday and it's always important to accentuate the positive. I had the misfortune, Neil, of having a fall on Douglas Street last Saturday night around 11pm. I wasn't drunk. I just lost my footing and hit my head on the ground. Within two minutes, at least six people came to my aid. One of them was a member of the Order of Malta. He went away and within 30 seconds had a first aid kit fixed me up, brought me to the hospital. They took great care of me and kept me in for a few hours to monitor me. I was so flustered after it. Uh, I never took anyone's name. Can you please thank them all for me from start to finish, says Stephen. So job done. Um, And people did come to your aid. And that's a wonderful thing to see. Thankfully, it wasn't a lot more serious because a few years back, there was an awful tragic fall in the very same area where a man actually subsequently died. Beautiful man, lovely man. 
and lost his life there. It was absolutely tragic. Uh, so thankfully you'll make a full recovery. But well done to everybody who got involved. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and we're back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. It was an additional one that came in late on Friday actually. I did a lot of uh, checking on this story over the weekend and it was as bad as the texter was saying. Morning Neil, just wondering what people's opinions are on the ammunitions and drugs seized and the arrests in Holly Hill. I'm a resident of the Holly Hill area. I was born and raised here. It is a lovely area except from unfortunately some of the carry on from time to time in St. Anthony's Park. It annoys me that our children now can't walk to school, can't walk to the shop without being attacked for their belongings, for their pets or or without being asked if they want to and can fight. Guards have said that up to 33 people in our area have made statements against these people and their carry on Uh, some of it even for assault, but later withdrew the complaints and statements out of sheer fear. Our area is being put down yet again by the media. There was no actual mention of the area uh, where it happened, just Holly Hill. It can take up to five carfuls of them to go to Super Value to collect carers. Uh, This week, uh, that's what I saw, we've spoken to, we've, we've woken up to helicopters over our houses and at least a hundred guards involved in that search yesterday morning, from the back end of last week, while bringing our children to school. This is what we witnessed. But we know that it will all be swept under the carpet yet again. Something finally needs to be done. Thanks for the opportunity to text. Can't come on air for obvious reasons and don't ever give out my details. Thank you for that. And that, of course, is through the eyes of an observer and the eyes of a resident of the Greater Holly Hill area. I wonder if others have anything to say on the matter, uh, certainly um, after uh, a big guard of presence there and indeed helicopters and drugs and uh, ammunition uh, seized and a couple of arrests made. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I know that Glenn's been on the air before. I'm mad keen to talk to him because the last time Glenn McCarthy was on air, he was chatting with Mick Mulcahy when I was on holidays. But things go to continue to go better and better for him after an absolutely chaotic life, I can tell you. Of that you can be sure. Glenn, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Fair, fair play to you, boy. You fall down, you get up again, and you fall down and get up again, and we'll keep on doing so until you don't fall no more. But the backstory to this is astonishing with regards to... Uh, you You were like, what, 13, is it, when you started with, with drink? And within two years, you were on fairly heavy drugs. That's right, Neil, yeah. Um, I suppose I was having my first drink when I was, uh, when I was 13. And Neil, I, I would have been fairly good at school that time, you know, but uh, by the time I came to 15, I suppose... I started um, started with ecstasy. Um, with ecstasy was my first my first introduction to drugs, and later on in my teens, I would have been um, I would have went down to cocaine and stuff. You know. Yeah. Is 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 when you say stuff? Was it just the cocaine? Uh, yeah, cocaine and tablets and benzos and so uh, and, and like that. Me, I never went down there the heroin road. But God. that led that led to shock and psychosis and unbelievable paranoia, voices in the head, and visits to St Michael's and things, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, psychosis was a big part of my story and um, I suppose I was in it for a year and a half. I didn't really know, you know, but I was functioning and stuff and um, like, like, it got so bad, Neil, like uh, I, when I was coming home, if a light came on the van, I think I was bugged and if there was a window open, there was a reason for it or, or there was a secret door in my, in my wardrobe and there was people coming in at night and like, um, and I was still trying to function with uh, George and all this as well. So yeah, I was my living, breathing reality for a good couple of years. And, yeah. and were people alarmed with regards to your behaviour in that period? 
of course, need yeah, of course, and um, the red flags were everywhere, you know. But uh, like, I, I, I would, I would have been, I would have socially drank and stuff went out like at the start, you know. I, I never really socially drank, is what I meant, you know. But I kind of isolated an awful lot, you know. And uh, you know, I thought I was getting away with it, but I wasn't, you know. Like in hindsight, it's a beautiful thing, but uh, I had a lot of worry and stuff for my family. You know, I was still going to work and stuff. It's for a period of this. Uh, but like I used to collect on the way, Neil, and um, you know, I don't like talking about this stuff, but it's 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 my truth, you know. And then I'd be walking in people's houses, and like I'd be just consumed and paranoid, like and the energy it took to do all that was was you know it was crazy stuff. My God Almighty! So if you go back to your earlier years, I'm always keen to know how people fall into this trap. You know, you would have been a preteen, you'd have been very good in school. I believe you were quite sporty, were you? What were you into? Um, I was, um, yeah, I was heavily involved in sport. My, my parents had us playing sports. So, like, when we were young, that, at that age, we were up playing soccer, like, at very young, you know, just different times now. But I was heavily involved in basketball, hurling football and soccer. And, um, you know, I was on the Munster under-15 basketball team. I tried for the, I tried for the Irish team. And uh, I was involved with the St. Vincent Hurling Football Club and uh, played with a lot of soccer teams as well. Oh, yeah. my God. You certainly were very, very talented. And tell me then... Is it the company you keep, or was there just one lad who said you should try this, or were you just were you bored, or what? Um, again, like Neil, I, I would have been good enough in school. Um, like, I don't know, it was I college bound, but academically, I was good enough. I was doing a couple of honor, honors um, subjects in the junior sort, but by the time it came to leaving sort, like I went down to all pass. Now I still did okay, you know, but I ventured away from where I was from, and I kind of ended up going down. And I went to hang around with all the older lads, you know, uh, and the, the lads that I grew up with. They still stayed in sports, but like addiction found me, or, or I found addiction, I'm not sure, but it happened very fast, and, and as I say, I never really socially drank, so I went from being very good in school and sports to being kind of very good at staying out and drinking and stuff, you know, and that, that was my that, that was my road. Was there very much worried your parents, though? Completely, uh, completely. Again, like, there was there was no kind of breathing in period. I just took a drink and the drink um, kind of took me, you know. And uh, when I went out, I found it very hard to come home. I just wanted to, I didn't want a party to stop. Um, and, and that was from an early age, you know. Um, you know. I'd always say I'd go to ring your cabinet. I'd always say this, but I'd ring home by a mistake. And, you know, my dad said, would you ever come home? Your mum was worried sick. She'd burn down the house with all the candles she'd lit, you know. Oh, man, really? Mm. A mother's love and a yeah. father's love. So that was the, yeah. that was so it did, the the cocaine, the ecstasy, the tablets, the benzos literally damaged your brain. Oh, oh, without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Uh, and there was kind of no let up for it either. You know, I did a lot of hospital visits in Orbridge, and I was a heavy drinker as well. Need you know, um, it's not that I was a bad person or anything like that. Need you know, I tried to function for a while, but eventually it just caught up with me. And it affected my mind and my thinking, you know. And you know, still to this day, I suffer with that stuff. You know, like an eyes or a song could set me off and stuff. But um, you know, I'm blessed to be still here in Ireland. That's the truth. But do you know the yeah, visits to the psychiatric unit, say St Michael's, and you had you had I was going to say numerous, probably not numerous, but certainly a few anyway, wasn't there? Did they yeah. like? Would you come out of them in a better condition than you went in? Um, yeah, I, I I would need I like I. I used, um, you know, there was a few times where I tried to, you know, try to end it all and stuff like that. So I'd go in there, but like I'd go in there and uh, like I'd be, I'd be on so much tablets from there, you know, um, like um, like sometimes I like even at the start I would exaggerate what was wrong me so I could get more stuff, you know. But eventually that kind of backfired, Neil, and like I would come out of there like and I, I would be numb with the amount of tablets I would be on, you know. Um, but it was a drink and juice psychosis was my problem, so. 
when that left me and stuff, I was still left with all the head stuff, you know. So, like, I was in there at one stage and the doctor pulled me and like, he says, you're coming in here on a tin line. And he said, this person over me, he showed me something. Like, he has psychosis, he has to live with this. And then he showed me someone else that had drinking juice psychosis like I had and he never came out of it. And I was still threatening coming in and out all the time, you know, on borderline stuff. So, like, it, that, that's insanity, like, you know, and, and that's, that's where it left me. And I couldn't stop then. Like, I knew it was doing all the damage to me and I still couldn't stop. You know? So, but, but you did. And how did, did you? How did you? I said, well, like, I, I got into recovery and I suppose I went to treatment. Uh, you know, when I come out of there, I go to treatment centre or even the nuns in Blarney. They were very good to me as well, Neil. And, um, like, I'd be in and out of treatment centres. But through that period when I was in Michael's, I think that year I was down in um, Table Lodge three times and I had to come away out of it over paranoia. You know, someone moved my book or if my bed was tossed or something, I think they're, they're all trying to make me paranoid and I'd have to run out of it, you know. But eventually, in time, like, that subsided and I was able to come wean myself off the tablets well, through, well, like, through the treatment centres and stuff. Yeah, and slowly yeah. but surely, like, my, the fog lifted me and, uh, you know, I kind of came back to myself, you know, and, like, just the one thing I always kind of I always kind of came back to recovery and meetings of AA and stuff like that. You never know, give up, as I said in the introduction. But, up, but yeah. with regards to the paranoia and the psychosis, um, you would think that everybody was plotting against you or that, you know, that there was you, you were bugged and stuff. But you would run away. You never got violent, though. Well, no. No, I never got violent. I, I suppose I got violent with myself. Yeah. Like, I got violent with myself. But uh, I, was too, I was too paranoid. And, like, even in the end, my family were in on it. You know, like, or even... Uh, even if I bumped into you for some reason, like, like what's he doing here? No, you know, it was all, like, I was just, my whole life was consumed with that nature. Still tried to function in and put up a, a brave face, but it, it just crumbled. It all backfired in the end. It all backfired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you stuck with the treatment and you like, you, you talk about, were these three months stints in, in the likes of Tabor or in the likes of, you know, yeah, Conley yeah, or Brewery yeah. or things like that? I was in Brody. I was in Brody six times. I My God! Through, through, yeah, I was in there six times. I was in Tabor Lodge. I was in Fellowship House, and the nuns in Blarney. I was out there three times as well. Over how many so, years? Well, I, um, I suppose my first introduction to a treatment centre was two thousand and six. Me, I'm forty-five now. Um, so over that period, you know, I haven't since have been good. It's uh, a good since have been sober and stuff. But I suppose throughout the whole couple of like you're talking on two and a half, maybe three years in treatment and being put away, or for your own safety or hospitals. Like if you add it all up through the years, you know. It's a wonder that you just didn't give up. In fairness to you, you didn't, in spite of all of the attempts that just weren't working out for you. It's, yeah, yeah. I just I, I, that was the saying in age, and I just keep coming back. And I, I didn't, I never gave up, you know. And like, I, I, like once or twice I did, I wanted to give up. Me, I, I just, you know, I, I, I tempted to end it all, and I was just sick of the constant noise in my head. And I thought I was just useless, and the worry I was putting on everybody else. And you know, there was a lot of drama in that as well. Me, you know, the me, me, me syndrome, and you know, but uh, yeah, addiction is a power, cunning, baffling, powerful to say. But uh, you know, I never gave up, and. You know, I'm still here, I'm still breathing, and, you know, I'm pushing on out my life. And, uh, you know, today is a good day. Like, to, and today I'm good because I'm doing all the right things, you know, the suggested things and things, you know, things that I, that I, that I like, you know. You literally wrote the book on it. I think you have a book coming out, don't you, on June 4th? I do. Um, we have a big launch of a book. It's called Me, Myself and I Need. It's a poetry collection book. And, um, you know, the, it's my journey from darkness to light and poetry, you know, and my story that we just spoke about is in there as well, you know, with beautiful illustrations and stuff. And something I'm very proud of, Neil. Yeah, because it's so, actually tribute. It's a tribute to your 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 academic ability as a young fella that you were able to do this. It shows that you did have the skills. 
Yeah, yeah, and one hundred percent. Like it's like it was. It's like the dam is open. But you know, for all those years, I was in treatment, like since way back in two thousand six. Now you do. You get a bit of work to do in treatment, a bit of writing and stuff, like as part of the counsellors, and you sit in group therapy. And every time I wrote out something, I, I'd look up, and everyone is looking at me. And the counsellors would say, or a priest, or or, or one of the nuns up in Brody would say, like you know, you should take up creative writing. But I used to take fierce offence to that thing. that day, I thought I was dramatising my story. You, know, you um, always so defaulted to the negative and everything you see. Always, always, like like creative writing. Or what, I didn't even know what that was. Like at the time, like it was the farthest thing on my mind. You know, but I've heard it loads and loads of times. And as they say, hindsight. So I, I just started putting pen to paper the last couple of years. Like, in you know, even through I had a bad slip last year just after getting married. Actually, um, oh, that's a shame. I wrote through the whole lot of it. It's like scribbles and stuff, you know. And uh, so uh, I turned what was a bad part of my life and for my wife as well, you know, uh, and my family and my kids into something good. And, oh. you know, so now I'm, um, now I'm getting fair feedback from uh, what I do and, yeah. and writing and stuff. Yeah. So it's great, you know. Have you managed to identify as to why you had that slip after the marriage? Yeah, Neil, what happens to me is um, is my life gets well and everything gets well and then I fade away from what got me well, you know. I don't stop going to meetings and recovery and stuff, but I kind of fade away, you know. And then I put, like, the gym and work or, you know, all the all the stuff that I'm doing, I put that to the forefront and I kind of fade away from meetings and the stuff that got me well, you know. So, like, that's my trigger, you know. Um, so everything gets well, but, like, the main thing is you keep going, you continue, you, you continue to go to meetings and you continue helping others and stuff and so that was that's 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 my kind of trigger you've identified you know, and, and, do, yeah do, and do you do you still deal with with voices or paranoia um very very rarely these days but sometimes if i could hear the noise or something like that or if i'm having a, you know, an off one or two days i won't say bad because they never be as bad you know once i don't pick up a drink or a drug but sometimes if I hear a noise or, or, or a sound or something, you know, something triggers me, but I can catch it as soon as... But sometimes it takes control and then I have to open my mouth and just call it out. You know, I, I need to say it to my brother or my family or my wife, you know, they, they, but they know me by now, you know. They, they put totally, me. yeah, and, yeah. And, fair uh, fair yeah, play but, to you for your yeah. openness and honesty regarding talking about it. That can't be, that can't be easy to go from where you were to where you are now and now the prospect of doing half marathons, marathons and half Ironmans and a full Ironman, I think, uh, this year, is it? Yeah, so... Uh, are you going to you all, is it? I'm going to you all, yeah. So, like, um, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, all, it's all or nothing, need. Any idea how hard an Ironman is, man? Oh, jeez, I'm unbelievable. I'm, I'm fain enough to it. Um, I actually have a half one. Um, like, the day of the book launch, Neil, just to say that it's, it's up in St. Vincent's Holland Football Club on the 4th of June. It's the day of the marathon next week at 5.30 and all are welcome me. But on that morning, I'm doing a half marathon with my wife, Jenny, her first time doing that. So we're going to do that together. And then the week after, in England and Shropshire, I'm going to do my first half Ironman. Now, I have been training me since last year and since the staff of the area with Cork Triathlon Club which are very good as well and that training always leading me up um, to um, the full Ironman please God in y'all um, we'll in, in, um, in, uh, in August um, we'll be keeping yeah. a close eye on you will you have a number on your back so we can keep an eye on you um, yeah, I guess I guess I well, I, I don't know what number it is but I definitely um, yeah, I definitely uh, keep in touch and stuff like that but I, it's, it's something that I'm it's like I'm after finding something that's after suiting my head and dealing all the stuff where I can put my energy and a bit of focus into all the training that we do, you know. And all that stuff was born out of um, 
you know, my brother does seminars and retreats and stuff like that. And I just set the goal up here. Hello, my friend. And we kind of do retreats. And, and I just threw it out in front of like like 100 people that I'm going to do an Ironman, you know. And, and, and since they are in, you know, like I'm training since. You couldn't you know, take it back. Way. Yeah, you announced it. Yeah, so you and it, all that stuff works like, you know. And are, are, your, are your folks still with us, yeah? Your mum and dad? Oh, they are indeed. My mum and dad, yeah. yeah. They're heavily involved in, in all that we do. They must be so relieved and proud of you, though. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah, Jesus, definitely. I always say that, like, my dad is in the fellowship nearly 40 years, so I, I, there was always kind of recovery in the house, and, um, you know, and I always say my mum could write a book on addictions, you know, so, like, she never ever closed the door on me or any of my sisters. Well done, but I have to ask you, know, you Glenn, before, I have to ask you before we let you go, what are we going to do with young kids who are already on the slippery slope that you went down, um, you know, at 11, 12, or, or 13? How, how do they get to that? Uh, how do we keep them away from it? Yeah, I suppose it, it's by being an example. You know, there's an awful lot of us now, like we have a good community of us around, you know, that are after turning their lives around and it's about being an example to the kids and stuff like that, you know, and just being there from them. Um, you know, we help an awful lot of people and I do as well, you know, with my story and stuff and being in recovery. But it's just by setting an example, you know, like I was once considered a hopeless case, Neil, and I know I'm after turning my life around today, you know, but... Um, you know, so it's just about, it's just about being there. It's about being there in the community, and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening outside as well. You know, yeah. the community that's all positive. But what's going through their heads at this very young age? This kind of insecurity or unhappiness or um, you know shyness or lack of confidence that's leading them to take a drug or a drink. Yeah, I, 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 what I, kind I, of pressure I, are they under? You know, it's huge pressure from social social media as well, and trying to keep up with the Joneses and stuff like that. It's unbelievable. Like you know, we we didn't have that much social media like when we were younger and stuff. None at all. But it's just trying to just keep up with people, and you know, like it's just I don't know. I it's don't know. hard it's, for them to navigate now, isn't it? It sure is. It's, it sure is. It sure is, Neil. But there is a way out, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of good stuff happening as well, outside of all that stuff, you know? But it's just about being an example in the community, you know? There's there's a lot of help out there still. But um, social media has a big part to play in that, Neil, I think, as well, you know? Look after yourself, Glenn. Well done on the book. Uh, launched Thanks, at uh, St. Vincent's Hurling a Football Club on June 4th. Is that in the evening? Yeah, in the evening. Half five in the evening. All are welcome, Neil. All are welcome. Okay, man. Well done on that. And... Uh, Good luck on the training and best of luck with the half marathon and ultimately the full Ironman down in uh, in Yall. Yeah, that's, that's the plan, Neil. Thanks so much for your time. Stay in touch, will you? Stay in touch. God bless. We'll, well, chat, we'll, we'll chat again. We'll chat again just ahead of the Ironman, OK? So you come back to me, will you? I will indeed. I Love will it. Indeed. No, Cheers, Glenn. Thank Take you. care, my man. The great Glenn McCarthy. Where there's life, there's hope. Text 0868 104 106. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086 Red FM. We live in interesting times. We live in inequitable times, as I've been saying of late. I was reading the business post yesterday. Wow, the front page of the business post with regards to the state of the parties. I know that I'll be again accused of having a go at uh, Fianna Fáil or indeed a go at Micheál Martin. It's not my story. It's the front of the business post this morning at the latest Red, or yesterday morning, the latest Red Sea poll shows Fianna Fáil with 15% support. They once would have been the most powerful and biggest political party in the country. They're far from that now. 15% down 1%. Fine Gael not too far behind them. They dropped two percentage points to 20. And Sinn Féin continue by just staying quiet and not really committing to any kind of real policy plans. They actually don't have to do a whole lot, Sinn Féin, except just hang in there and, you know... 
not mess up, up 3% to 34%. It's an interesting poll, actually, because they also did quite an amount of research into uh, whether or not people think that Ireland is taking too many refugees. And it comes on the back, actually, of uh, the statistics that are now available where they say the state is now providing accommodation for almost 85,000 people now compared to 8,000 in February of last year. And of course, we scramble and scramble and scramble for accommodation or trying to find accommodation and building modular homes and taking over hotels and, and stuff like that. They've actually got 145 new emergency accommodation centres opened since last January, uh, since January of, of, of last year, I should say. That's 145 new accommodation centres, not including uh, the hotels or the guest houses or, or places like that. But the, um, the interesting research into it said that 76% of people who are researched say they can understand the anger people feel about asylum seekers being moved into their local areas. And nearly 15% are not happy with the state's failure to provide shelter for all who need it, all, as opposed to what it kind of looks sometimes it's almost like selective in Ireland as to who gets up and who doesn't. Certainly, you know, parents with children with uh, on, on the autistic spectrum that need all sorts of get little or none. Um, you know, we're going to talk in a couple of seconds now of, of family members in, in, in a particular nursing home um, that are looking to have to move out of the nursing home because they can't get a decent rate for the fair deal scheme. Uh, but the poll indicates a rising level of concern about the arrival of 84,000 Ukrainian refugees since the Russian invasion and the 15,000 asylum seekers last year, many of them under international protection orders. And they believe that Ireland is now taking too many. 75% of people research said that Ireland is now taking too many. Uh, that's an astonishingly high figure. But it's a very honest reflection of how people feel, really. It's not that we're not charitable. It's not that we don't want to help. But the bubble's bursting, you know, um, if it hasn't done so already. And how, ma- how many more can actually be taken? Because it's chaotic as it is. So I mentioned that anyway for diff- different reasons. One is by way of introduction as to what's happening down at uh, Beaumont uh, nursing home, or indeed, more to the point, what's going to be happening, possibly already happening, outside Micheál Martin's constituency office this morning. And with that in mind, can I talk first to Megan Fleming, actually? Megan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, I'll, come to your, I'll come to your own ma'am in a second, but are you part of the protest today? Um, no, I'm not, Neil. I actually um, have a prior engagement this morning, so that's why I said I'd speak with you this morning Good stuff, about and thank you for So, But there is a protest planned, right? Yes, there is. Um, outside the Taunish's office in Evergreen Street. I'm not sure of the address, but the Taunish's office, Micheál Martin. Um, basically, the protest is to ask the Taunish to step in as to what's happening in my mother's nursing home right now. So would you please tell us exactly why we've come, why has this come to pass? So, Neil, basically what's happened is um, the NTPF, which is the association that funds the fair deal scheme for nursing homes. Um, Beaumont Residential Care needs an increase of €183 per resident for the cost of rising care, the cost of living crisis, as you know, that's going on at the moment. And basically, a lot of the residents on fair deal, or if not all, have very, very complex care needs. The majority have dementia or some type of Alzheimer's. Some of them may not be able to do anything for themselves, such as my mother. Um, A lot of it is just 
like it's very confusing because another home now Beaumont doesn't want to party with the other home but another home got their increase there when the rates were being negotiated and basically the rate of a HSE nursing home is about 1,800 Beaumont residents Forgive me Megan, per week? Yeah, yeah, per week that's what the fair deal is giving So fair deal in some instances is giving 1,800 euro per week to HSE nursing homes. To HSE yeah. nursing homes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then um, I think Beaumont, I'm not really sure my figures now, Neil, but um, I think Beaumont is only receiving at the moment 1,030 something. So let's call that 1,000 euro. Yeah, right, something above that, yeah. And they're and saying at Beaumont Nursing Home that they can't continue to take fair deal um, residence at that rate. Yeah, because of the cost of living crisis, you know, the increase of care needs, you know, like everything that's going on at the moment, Neil. And did like, they send out a letter with that in that regard? They sent out, they've been very honest and open with the families. So they have, they have been fantastic and open and everything and honest. And basically they sent out a letter about four weeks ago and they asked us to come to a meeting. So they told us what was going on and they said, look... We'll keep negotiating with them and everything like that. So about last week, we got another email to come in for, you know, another meeting. And basically, we were told that the fair deal will not budge. Like, they won't budge at all. Yeah, okay. The public nursing homes, I have the details that you gave me there. Yeah. Public nursing homes... HSE-run ones get 1,800 per resident per week. Beaumont Residential yeah. Care gets 1,085 euro per week. Yeah, yeah? that's right. Um, yeah. So they're, to a large extent, that, that's part of care choice. They're, they're working at a loss. They are. Right. They are. They're okay. working at a loss. Okay. There's another figure then. They're also, are they also now saying that at some stage in the future, they will no longer take fair deal and will only take private fees and they'll be charging 1300 a week. Yeah, that's okay. correct. Okay. So have you been t- have you been told that loved ones like your mam have to find somewhere else to go? We've been told that they're going to hold out another month and Care Choice themselves are going to cover the cost of care for the Fair Deal families while they try and negotiate again with the NTPF. Now, if that doesn't happen, more than likely our family members will have to move. Yeah. It says, we've been advised, we have advised, this is from them, Beaumont Residential Care, yeah. we've advised our fair deal residents that they continue to reside and they can continue to reside in the home for the next month without facing any additional charges. During this month, we will continue to advocate uh, to try and ensure that the, for the fair deal residents they can remain in the home. Would, would they be asking that family members would have to top up the difference? Um. Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think so, Neil. Um, now, honestly, I've just been paying what I would pay for my mum's fair deal anyway because I feel it's right to help pay for her care. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel that way myself. Like, I can't speak for everybody else. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel it's right that way. But, I mean, Beaumont, they do such amazing work with their residents, Neil. Like, it's 
genuinely a home away from home. And these people, like these family members, you know, they've made friends in there. They have routines, you know, a lot. Like, it's their home, do you know what I'm saying? But why did St. Luke's get an increase then? That's what we'd like It's another private home. Yeah, that's a private home, and that's what we'd like to know as well. If we have to move our family members to a HSE-run home, or even if we get a spot in St. Luke's, the fair deal, the NTPF, still have to give them the increase. So this is what we're all saying. To leave them where they are and happy would be a cheaper option. Option. Okay. And it would help out all the way. Like, I mean, we don't want to move our family members. Like, my mum is in Beaumont Residential Care a year and she has just settled in. Like, my mum is 67 and she's got a disease called cerebrovascular disease. Is that, so, would that lead to early onset dementia? Yeah, it would, yeah. Yeah, okay. And okay. it's basically when the blood vessels in the brain, they thin, they thin, so they start closing off and lack of blood supply and oxygen gets to the brain. Has she paralysis? She does, yes. Okay. Both what? her legs. Um, up to four years ago, my mum was a pretty active woman. She was literally, I'm not joking you, Neil, at 64 years of age, this woman was climbing trees with her grandkids. She's only 67 now, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. She was 68 in August. That's what I mean. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, she was climbing trees with her grandchildren. And then one day, she just fell. And as the days and the weeks went on, she kept falling. And then she started to get this awful tremor in her hand. And then it spread throughout the body. And then it came to the point where she had weakness in her left leg first and her left arm. And then her left leg started to go. And I think it was during the first lockdown in 2020, we were at home one day and she was walking with a stick at this point. And she sat down on the sofa in the front room. And I'll never forget it because my heart broke. Um, she basically said to me, Megan, I can't get up. And I said, what do you mean you can't get up? And she said, my legs won't work. And, and, and it was rapid. After, but, there was, but there was fierce tragedy. Yeah. There was fierce tragedy in your life and your family's life. Do you, do you think yeah, that that had implications so for your mom? I know. I uh, think. Like, do you, are I you okay talking about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think that it helped. I'll put it that way. Um, in November 2019, myself and my husband, we lost our son at 29 weeks to um, a disease called Potter syndrome. So basically, that's when the water in the womb isn't there and the baby can't swallow it to get, you know, to develop the lungs and it caused all sorts of disabilities and it caused types of brain damage and things like that. So he passed away. And that rocked her big time, I'd say. Yeah, it did because she wasn't able to come and like I was in hospital for nine weeks during my pregnancy and everything was just going wrong. From the beginning, it just went wrong. Then she lost her brother, and then she lost her sister during COVID. Yeah, she lost her sister during COVID. Like, we've had so many family members die over the last few years. It's it's mental. So, like, I don't think the stress of it has helped. And honestly, I think 
losing her sister during COVID after, you know, her grandson and her brother dying, it just... I think it just took an awful lot of a toll on her. I know. You don't need this when you, she was she no. was comfortable and being well looked after and a love. I know it. I pass it many times. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful yeah, nursing it's home. it's a beautiful place. It's absolutely could beautiful. I, could I talk to Anne Rogers if you don't mind? Because I think she actually is at the Tarnished's office and I'm keen to know what's going on there. Is that all right with you, Megan? That's no problem, Neil. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How Apologies, are you? I know I know you waited a while, but it's it's a delicate subject. I didn't no want to problem. I didn't want no to rush problem. Megan. So you, where are you now? I'm actually outside the Tonish's office, so apologies. There's buses and heavy traffic going past, so it might be hard to hear me. But no, we're gathering now between half ten and eleven. So are there many here. of you there, incidentally? Uh, I'd say there's about thirty of us. There's camera crews and uh, reporters too, so it's hard to kind of make out. But there's about 30 of us, but we're expecting more as well. Okay. We kind of said between half 10 and 11 together. Yeah, I kind of went through the numbers involved here with Megan, and yeah. there's very little reason to go, go, go through it again, but there's yeah. a huge disparity between the public health nurse fair deal, public health um, contribution to fair deal in a public nursing home versus a private one. Yes, and I suppose that's what we're... I suppose the first thing I'd like to say is that we have care choice of our full support we are here to support them and to advocate on behalf of our loved ones who can't actually speak out for themselves, a lot of them, and to highlight the fact that because they're fair deal residents in a private nursing home, they're actually being discriminated against. I know Megan went through the figures, but that's really what it boils down to. And we're pleading with the ministers, the Tawnishta, to step in because the Minister for uh, Mental Health and Older People, Mary Butler, is standing by watching this happen but saying she has no role to play in the negotiations so um, How do they come up with the number for a different nursing home? Why would there be a disparity? Um, that, that's something I wasn't aware of until Care Choice brought it to her attention so I actually can't answer that um, we don't know um, that's what we're asking for, we're just asking for a fair deal for all nursing home residents and for, I suppose for Beaumont now we're looking at our family members potentially moving or having to be relocated um, in the next couple of months. I know that there are more than 70 residents, right? But how many of yes. those would be affected by this? Um, there's 73 residents in total and 56 are on the Fair Deal scheme. 56? So huge amount. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And if I was just to speak about my mum, she's been there. It's her home for six years. She, we, I'm originally from Dublin. I was my mum. But I live in Cork, so we moved her from Dublin to Cork so she could be close to one of her children, uh, which was hugely, you know, traumatic for us. And now that the thought that we might have to move her again, she's um, she has advanced vascular dementia and has extreme health care needs. So she is incontinent, immobile. Uh, she can't feed herself. She can't speak uh, like she would need two carers to do even the most basic daily tasks with her. She's hoisted out of bed, things like that. So to move her now would be detrimental to her well-being. Um, and could it be potentially I, that, Anne, could it be potentially that she, she could be moved as far afield as like Cantorque or Dunmanway or something? Yes. It, yes, could, be, it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere, yeah. And that uncertainty is, is in all our minds. And just speaking about my situation, I'm the only uh, child in Cork. So because of my mum's condition... She doesn't really require me to sit there with her for hours because she can't actually talk. So it's a lot of short visits I would do. I'd call in, hold her hand, make sure she's okay, 
touch base with the nursing staff and see does she need anything and play music to her. But a long visit, she doesn't benefit from it. Yeah. But if she was to be in Buttesland or somewhere like that, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to just drop in and see is she okay. I know exactly um, what you say. So but she would be without, she would be out without a visitor for quite a long long periods of time. And this is all like I'm just doing the sums on this. If the moment and you say there are how many 56 residents there who'd be on the fair deal yeah. scheme um, yeah. and the like Beaumont Nursing Home they can cope at 1300 a week fair deal at the moment is, is 1085 if 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 um, residents were moved to a public nursing home it would go the contribution would be paid by the state of eight, 1800 so for for the sake of something in the region of 215 euro per resident per week this would be this would be not happening Yes, it's only 183 euros per resident. Is it 183? Yeah, that's oh. all they're asking for, and they've been given an increase of 16 euros. Uh, that's all we're asking for. We're just asking for parity across the whole nursing home sector that our our relatives who are on fair deal get the same fair deal scheme as somebody who's in a in a HSC nursing home. And is Michal Martin in the constituency office today? Um, I don't think so. Um, I'm just stepping this. Um, down from a little bit just to try and find a, a kind of slightly quieter spot so I'm not 100% sure but I, I don't think he is Okay, I know that I have other family members to talk to on the other side of 11 o'clock but um, do, you, how, do you think that, you know, going public like this this is what has to happen though people have to protest, go public share their stories in public for anything to be done in this country Yes, it seems to be the way and I think we're very keen just for people to understand who these residents are. I mean, they're our loved ones. They're some of the most vulnerable elderly people in in the country and they need somebody to advocate on their behalf. Yeah. And like I said, we 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 are supporting care choice in this end. Uh, surely they'll see sense. It's 183 extra for the 56 residents as opposed to 530 extra if they went into a public nursing home. Sure, the, the, the maths yeah. speak for themselves, don't they? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. And thank thank you so much. Um, We'll check back in again between now and midday. Thank you. Text 0868104106. I know that there are many other family members there, and I also have others that I'm I'm due to talk to. Everybody has their own life story, including Margaret, including Katrina, and and others like that. Hopefully I'll get an opportunity to chat with them after 11 this morning. Back after these. Coming up on the Neil Prendival Show, an Irish woman's story of the life in the fast lane. We had this magical wedding coming up, like my life was perfect. Dozens of connections, hundreds of millions of euro, and then it turned to chaos. I'm trying to tell a toddler that her father is gone. A story of love and loss and a man who needs to be heard to be believed. Jane used to always say to me, you couldn't make this up. Catch the new podcast, You Couldn't Make This Up, on The Neil Prendival Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. And listen to the entire series from Wednesday, 31st of May, on the Go Loud app and wherever you get your podcasts. And episode 5 of You Couldn't Make This Up airs directly after 11 o'clock this morning. Episode 6 tomorrow, episode 7 on Wednesday, and then I will load all 7 episodes of the podcast on the Go Loud network uh, app and also 
on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Monday Munchies, some quick shout-outs now, courtesy of ourselves and Offbeat Donuts. Um, we'll feed you with a whole selection of different Offbeat Donuts if you tell us who you are, where you are, and most importantly, why you deserve the donuts. Um, all of the scaffold, uh, MI scaffolding services working with the man at Moran and O'Shea and Balancolic. We could do some treats to keep us going for the day. It helps with the heat. <laughs> Uh, two-person office today on 81 South Mall. The boss is away on sunny holidays, so we definitely deserve a Monday treat for keeping the office going. I uh, don't know what the name of the company is, but I know your address, but 60 donuts for two people in one little office? You'd have to sh- you'd have to be sharing it with uh, the whole entire South Mall if that was the case. I think it's Amy Murphy's solicitors. Thank you. Do- would you share it with the rest of the Mall? Donworth and Company on Forge Hill. would love to get the Monday treat. Our staff are working so hard every week. They're amazing. St. Coma's School in Cloyne deserve the donuts. Donuts, great school, brilliant teachers. My son loves it. Dairy Gold accounts payable uh, because they would just demolish the lovely donuts on a beautiful Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Uh, Walsh applications in Little, Little Island would love donuts. So would the CUH main reception. Uh, I'm working till eight tonight, and a donut would be a lovely thing to get me through the day. Yeah, but would you just limit it to one donut? Come on. Everybody, ILC Dover in Blarney Business Park, just to keep the Monday blues away says Elaine. And Eli Lilly, it's been a slow morning. I think a prize like this would cheer us up and get everybody working harder. Tigers, Shawcare and Douglas, the entire team's been working super hard recently preparing the little ones' graduations. Uh, they had a rough couple of weeks and they deserve a little treat. And just one or two more, the Orchard Preschool in Carrigaline, they're all amazing and just deserve a treat. It's my son's preschool. Uh, and another one here, I'd love some donuts for my two daughters. We were at the Mallow Garden Show on Saturday laden down with our purchase plants, including a box of cake cakes. We loaded up the car. I must have left the box of cakes on the ground behind the car and drove off without them. I didn't realise it until we got home. And my girls went to dish out the goodies. All my fault. I'm trying to make it right. Save my bacon, says Brida O'Leary. So thank you for that. Um, somebody else says, Cork continues to get fatter. Thanks to Neil Prendival and Red FM. I'm not suggesting that somebody should eat all of the donuts. I'm talking about sharing them. Anyway, you've got a half an hour left. Just text uh, who you are and where you are. And most importantly, why you deserve the Monday Munchie Donuts, courtesy of yourselves and Offbeat. Text 0868104106. Now... Show. The Monday Munchies. So one more opportunity to text who you are and where you are and most importantly why you deserve uh, boxes of donuts. The bigger the business, the more we'll give you. So up to five boxes. That's like 60 donuts. So text or WhatsApp 0868 104 106. And don't forget, just before midday, be opening the phone lines. We've got double tickets to give away for George Ezra at Musgrave Park on Sunday, June 11th. Later in the week, like tomorrow, Paolo Nattini, Wednesday, Florence and the Machine, Thursday, Codeline, and Friday, the 1975, uh, all Musgrave Park gigs across the month of June. I also got delivery of uh, my big stash of tickets for Live in the Marquee from Aiken last week, so I have double passes for lots of different gigs. Not Christy, unfortunately, none of those. I'll be giving some of them away on air, and I'll be giving more away on my Instagram page. Started on my Instagram page at the weekend, with Joanne McNally tickets for tonight's gig. So if you're not following me on Instagram, you might want to do so if you want to win some tickets for uh, Live at the Marquee. A lot of texts already this morning, certainly with regards to Cork City uh, Football Club, although it has nothing to do with them. It's just a couple of idiots chanting 
about a nine-year-old with leukemia and going through cancer treatment. Neil, how can the, those particular members of Cork City be banned for life? Surely they'll get to matches by someone else buying the tickets to get into the matches. It's disgraceful carry-on that should uh, make fun of a little boy's illness. Uh, morning. People are not dealing with the issue. Why can't they put cameras looking at the shed end and identify all the other idiots who are always shouting terrible stuff as well? Hi lads, just about the Cork City game I wonder were those idiots even real supporters if they were in a pub watching the game from the rooftop bar A lifetime ban will mean nothing to these idiots Hopefully the Gardaí can do something about them, says Susan I agree actually, I think if it became uh, like a serious guard investigation that actually resulted in something or even putting frighteners on people it would make a difference The vile chance from the Cork City supporters at the Cork Says No rally a few months back was sickening I know people who attended, and it was directed to children and women as well. They were on the side of Nugent and Barry. Vile, disgusting behaviour. Don't give out my details. I know absolutely nothing about that. I'm happy to read out your text, but um, I, I wasn't aware of that. And, and I don't think, actually, you know, people should be allowed to use the term that they are supporters of Cork City Football Club. Sometimes football clubs um, can attract an element that they wouldn't wish to have. Um, you know, Leah Ford's daughter um, and the issue regarding trying to get back to school after, what is it, like seven months now? I spoke to her earlier on this morning uh, because the union won't allow um, the SNAs or the teachers to peg feed. I'm an SN... Well, it's not peg feed, my apologies. Well, I suppose it is syringe into a peg. I'm an SNA myself and we all refused to peg feed a student in our school because it's a nurse's job. We, as a body, would have no insurance cover if something serious happened while feeding. As regards the mum, it's a very different scenario. It's the family's responsibility to ensure feeding. So thank you for all of those texts. There's a lot and uh, many different topics that we're dealing with last week, which I will come back to before quitting time today. And hopefully um, another quick look then to see if the protest at uh, the Taunister's office is making any difference for the families of 56 residents at Beaumont a nursing home. And if nothing changes, they will all have to leave. But after the break, episode five of You Couldn't Make This Up. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Episode six of You Couldn't Make This Up tomorrow. Final episode on Wednesday. And then we will loan them all on the, load them all on the GoLud app and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, they'll all be available. Monday Munchies, courtesy of ourselves, of course, and uh, Offbeat Donuts. Final shout-outs this morning for all the gang at Foley's Plumbing and Toker. They'd love the donuts to keep the energy up. Kevin, apparently. Kev would eat 10 of them alone. No bother to him. The Rapid Prostate Cancer Clinic at the CUH would love some donuts for all the fantastic work they do. Uh, offbeat donuts for Valerie Walsh and Balafihan, an amazing hairdresser, one in a million. Alter Domus as well. Toss Brian and Fromoy are saying, fabulous staff, deserve the donuts, the hardest working people. 40 of them, they would devour the donuts. Yeah. And for big companies you get upwards of 50 of them Brooks Timber Supplies my sunshine hard work for for my sunshine hard at work and all the rest of the staff uh, the families of Beaumont care home residents they deserve it as their stress must be through the roof says Patrick and so say all of us for the starving staff at Boots on Half Moon Street you won't have far to walk with the donuts. <laughs> 
we're their best customers anyway. And one or two more, Keith's Cones and Glanmire Isis. Um, oh, lads, uh, you're going to come visit us one of these days soon. Park up the Mr. Whippy van outside the radio station. Uh, I, had a, I had another 99 yesterday, actually, coming back from Port McGee, the end of a great weekend. Uh, Boots at Half Moon Street would love donuts. Um, everybody at McCarthy Commercials in Watergrass Hill. Pharmacy Department of the South Infirmary, Victoria Hospital, and they'd share them. Reason being, they need a sugar boost to keep them going. Turners Cross Preschool for all of the staff there. Tails and Tubs Dog Grooming in Douglas Wooner Mills and they share it with the, na- with, the, uh, with the neighbours. And a final one then. Hi, I'm Holly, a Corkburn nurse living and working in France. Please send the donuts to the neonatal unit at the CUH. My baby sister Kelly's working there with a team of angels. And they definitely deserve a few donuts to get through the very difficult 13-hour shifts. Lots of love to all from France. So we'll pick a winner from Monday Munchies in a few minutes' time. But can I just take another call, if you don't mind? And I'll be coming back to this in the, in the morning to see if the protest at Micheál Martin's constituency office will make any difference for the families of people in care of Beaumont um, Nursing Home. Nula's, um, as, as a family member there as well, she'll tell us some more now. Nula, good morning. Good morning. Are, are you at the constituency office? Um, we've just left the constituency, okay. was, constituency office. Was there, any, was there any reaction reaction from inside or from staff or did you hand in a letter or anything? Yeah, um, what we did was we just handed in a letter um, and it was received by a staff member at the door and we just uh, told them that we were asking uh, the Taunish to intervene on behalf of the 56 residents and to sort out the funding for their charity bits. And it's small so, money, isn't it? It is small money. Um, I don't know how the others have spoken to it this morning outlined it, but it is, it, it's 185 euros a week um, and it still brings the cost of the bed just to 1270 euros per, per week um, and that is, you know, less than what, say, they charge in a HSE funded Which would be 1800 a week. That is correct and also, you know, the local comparable home, St. Luke's and Mahon, they're charged, um, they they're charged one three six five, so that's still ninety five euros dearer per week than what Beaumont Residential Care are looking for. And what they would be happy to be able to continue to give the service that they do—that's that's the price. Correct. It would even that's still be cheaper, correct. cheaper than St. Luke's. So surely this yeah. is fixable, really, you know? Well, that's what we're hoping, and and that but and that's what Beaumont Residential Care are, have been trying to negotiate for for months. But the um, national treatment um, funding plan that that group they're not they're not engaging with Beaumont Residential Care and Beaumont Residential Care um you know lost money last year they propped up the business um you know with their investors money and you know they can't continue to do that and we understand so, that if they can continue if they need to continue it would have to be private paid that uh, residents that is correct that is correct like the, um, there are only 17 privately paid beds currently in the nursing home um, um, and the nursing homes can remain open if they, as they, you know, if they don't take fair deal, and you know, if they just revert to taking private residence. But you know, this is a fair deal system. It is supposed to give um, equal access to a given nursing home to to people, whether they're supported by the fair deal system or not. Do you think it's it's discrimination? I do. 100% think it's discrimination. And I also think it is so illogical because, you see, if, if one of these residents moves to St. Luke's because they have to move there, say, in a month's time, the fair deal 
will pay 1365 for that patient. They will. And it would have been a lot easier and a lot less traumatic and upsetting to leave the person in their home and it's cheaper. Here we are in two different broadcast days. On Friday, we were talking about the the atrociously shameful lack of services for children. And again, now yeah. this morning for vulnerable adults and elderly. Uh, yeah. It, it yeah. seems to be the most vulnerable get hurt the hardest, isn't it? And Yeah, I think it's, it's, oh, it's, it is like that, you know. And I suppose, you know, this is the first time I suppose I've been involved in a campaign like this, you know. But once you get involved, then, you, you know, you kind of see... You know, as you say, how many other big issues there are out there that people have to fight continuously to get funding and support for the most vulnerable people. And would there even be would there even be nursing home places for the fifty six if they were moved? Now, what, what Care Choice said, right? Um, you know, they said they would they they'd fund the next month, and then after that, if there's no resolution, you know, new places will have to be found. Now they have other nursing homes in Cork. And they're holding any empty places there, which I think there are 26, um, in case it doesn't get resolved. And that would cover 26 places out of the 50. Oh, it's a lot of worry, isn't and, it? A lot of worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of worry. Really I'll, talk to, I'll talk to the boss of Care Choice in the morning to see what he thinks could be done next, you know. But yeah, when you do the maths yeah. on it, so if all the residents move, it will mean the state will pay 1800 instead of the 1270 per resident that's needed in Beaumont to survive. That's a difference of 530 extra per resident per week. They'll be paying 530 yeah. extra to move them and significantly less to leave them where they are. And that means if they do have to move, it will ultimately end up costing the state over two million a year extra. It's nonsense. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's, it doesn't make sense. There's no logic. All right. There's okay. no logic. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well done this morning. Okay. Come back to it in the morning. Thanks so much, Nula. Take care. Okay. Take care. Thanks for taking Take your Take care for now. Bye. And of course, on Friday, we were talking about autism services. My son is waiting 12 years for services. He's now 16. I employed a lawyer to take the HSC to court. It went to court last week and the judge granted in my favor. Well done you. Uh, it's unforgivable. Um, that people would be treated like this um, and others then attempting to use their children's race and colour to jump a queue. I think that's unfair. I I really and truly do. I don't think this is an issue of colour or race. I really don't. Um, Diagnose and dump. That's how our beautiful, brave children are dealt with by the HSE. My child is a teenager now and despite all the promises in the past 10 years has received no support from the HSE. None. My child has autism and an intellectual disability and will never be able to live independently. My only hope is that I outlive my child. Imagine that. If my child is not being supported now, what will happen when I die? I don't want my child to bury me. The future terrifies me. I lay the blame at the feet of the HSE. Neil, the government has no interest in its own people. We see the lengths that they are going to to look after outsiders. It's all wrong, says Mike. Very sad, but typical of our government. Over 80,000 on waiting lists. Over 608,000 paid to 20 PwC management consultants working in our hospitals. For what? €42 million Euro per month paid to refugee accommodation. We are so wealthy. Uh, on a separate issue, um, I retained every single receipt for a year as well. Uh, I'm elderly and I live alone. I paid €1,300 Euro in VAT in one year on those receipts. And this was even before the price hike. Morning. Every problem in this country is created and sustained by the Irish government. When are we going to learn? Stop voting for these creatures. It's time we picketed TDs everywhere 
and every chance we get. Uh, and one or two more, which I'll come back to the rest tomorrow. I have two special needs children. I thought I could never afford VHI or Leia, but it's been the best decision ever to get health insurance. I get 75% back on play therapy, OT, and therapies that my children need. I upload the receipt, and 75% is back onto my card. It's brilliant. And definitely a huge help. Yeah, but have you ever looked, I don't know what it is for you, but have you ever looked the cost of what, say, VHI and Leia would be for a father and a mother and two children? I mean, think about that. You could be talking about north of, of two grand, two and a half grand per year and maybe even higher. Okay, back after the break. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Asked a question on air on Thursday and then we posted it up on social over the weekend. I was asking you also to text if Cork Airport were not to announce a brand new flight, where would you like it to be? Massive response from people on this. Uh, we also shared uh, the information that we had and was up online and everything with, with Cork Airport. But um, I told you then on Friday morning that the top three destinations that people in Cork, on the basis of all of the texts that I got, I'm just waiting on the social media stuff from it now, but on the basis of the hundreds of texts, number one was Greece, number two was uh, Turkey, and number three was Ibiza. There was reams of other ones as well. Uh, lots of different people talking about Greece and Turkey, though. They're always talking about Santorini, and there were, but loads of Greek islands like Crete, uh, Rhodes, uh, mainland Greece, many of the Greek islands. Uh, somebody else wanted direct flights in and out of places like uh, like Turkey. I see Lisbon here, Barcelona. Here again, Turkey, Istanbul and Izmir. But overwhelmingly, it would seem, Greece was definitely top of people's wish list. So I'm just curious as to whether or not that kind of information is of any use uh, to Cork Airport. Barry Holland is the communications manager at Cork Airport, joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So it's just a, just a little bit of research. I don't know whether it will help or hinder you, but what, what do you make of it? It's, it's brilliant because I think the, the most standout feature of it all, Neil, is the fact that Corkonians and people on Leaside take a great interest in the airport, the business of the airport, mm. and where routes, you know, where they wish routes to operate in future. You know, market research forms a very strong basis for any discussions we have with airlines, whether that's sort of existing airline customers or potential airline customers. And only when it, is, when it comes down to scientific market research and it's backed up by stats and data that we can make a solid case to airlines and say, well, we see that there's potential demand for a certain route here. So how do you work out a new route? I mean, how, how does it start? It's a combination of factors, realistically speaking. It's, it's our own market research. It's our own analytics. Uh, it's, you know, it can be obtained maybe through sometimes through third-party analytics. You might have uh, travel agents, the travel trades will, will will keep us informed as to what the demand is, in, in, you know, in, in in the retail uh, from the retail perspective. So there's a combination of factors, and then a case is made to an airline as to whether to operate a route. Uh, then it's up to the airline themselves, and the decision remains with them because an airline will make a decision uh, if if a route is commercially viable, if there's good enough demand for it, and if the yield is strong on this as well. Yeah, but surely be to God, Ryanair would be able to do Greece, Turkey, um, during the, but primarily the summer months and beyond, surely. I mean, I, I, I was in Crete a couple of weeks ago. I would have loved nothing more than to fly uh, out of, say, Cork, but ended up having to get a flight that came back in on the, the back leg at something like uh, half past 12 at night into Dublin Airport. And we don't, like, be rest assured, Neil, that, that Greece and Turkey, you know, we, we, we've seen it in the research, the market research we've had. We've heard it from the members of the travel trade. We've heard it from members of the, you know, 
public and Cork Onions as well. So we have made, you know, we have made uh, the cases to airlines in the past and, and still do for services towards the east, like Greek or Greek destinations and Turkish destinations as well. And just, you know, you, you, you touched on Ryanair and Ryanair operating 29 routes out of Cork this summer. They've expanded massively. Totally. Yeah. We lost without them. No matter what people say, you'll be lost without them. They're, they're, they're our number one Ireland customer and we're very, we're very pleased with them as well. And, you know, we have, we have increased capacity and from, from Ryanair, we have increased capacity this summer from Aer Lingus. We have increased capacity from, with um, KLM and Air France and we're, there's 2.36 million seats will be up for sale, well, are up for sale between March and October over the course of the summer schedule. So, and the numbers are growing steadily. We're tracking ahead of 2019 on a month-by-month basis. Mm. We're finding more and more people are flying from Cork. People value the convenience of Cork. They like the experience here and the great choice of routes that are there. So we're optimistic that we'll match, if not beat, the 2019 levels, which will be the, the last pre-pandemic um, traffic statistic that we have. Yeah. Recent, recently announced course. Seville, I think, as well, yeah? Seville will start on June the 1st, later this week, and La Rochelle will start on June the 4th. So there's, there are two new routes to be added yet, and they're both operated by Ryanair. They're both be operated twice weekly. Seville is operating on Mondays and Thursdays, La Rochelle on Wednesdays and Sundays, and they'll operate for the, cold, the, re- the, the remainder of the summer season. So again, it's great because we, there are new routes every year being added in. Rome was a more recent um, new route announcement that was, being, that was requested by Carconians for quite some time. We were delighted to be, to be able to work with Ryanair and put me on that route. Hmm. And that operated from last winter and they, they saw that there was good demand for it, so they extended it right on through the summer season as well. Forgive me, is there, direct, is there a direct flight to Portugal, anywhere in Portugal? Yes, there is to, to Faro in Portugal and gotcha, operated yeah. by both Ryanair yeah. and their Lingus. Because somebody was suggesting there was a Lisbon, uh, but that it's gone now, is that right? There was. Briefly before the pandemic, Aer Lingus operated a twice-weekly service to Lisbon. And uh, unfortunately, as it was a casualty of the COVID-19 pandemic, we have been walking and we have been doing our utmost to re- reinstate the Lisbon route because it is we see in our, on, 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 our, on our statistics, on our market research, Neil, that Lisbon is high on the priority list there. So we're working. And look, these, <clears throat> the case must be built up from our side. You know, we must produce the scientific market research data, back it up with the stats, and the airlines will make the commercial decision at the end of the day whether they want to operate the route or not. But you also did internal research, because I know of a family member that did an extensive survey at Cork Airport. She was literally stopped by somebody with a clipboard. So what, what came out of your research? So that's that's our what you will have seen there is uh, our uh, Red Red Sea colleagues, yeah. Red Sea the market research company. They undertake surveys here, passenger surveys at Cork Airport year round, right throughout the year. They report on a quarterly, and it's great. It's it's, it's great information. And what it does do it not only does it offer information in relation to new routes, etc., but it offers information as well as to how passengers find the experience. You know, how do they find the security times? How do they find the car parking facilities, the food and beverage facilities, the general airport experience, cleanliness, you name it. There's a ream of questions there. But, but, but there was a question about r- new routes, though. Of course. And like there are always questions about new routes that are in those surveys, like where would you like to fly to or where would you like to see a new route added? Because that is a great way of finding out from our passengers as to where they want to do. So did, that forms a part yeah. of our... Of our, of our I, I, I don't mean to put you, put you on the spot, but did you come out with the number one destination that people were looking for? Well, there are, there, there, are, there are a range of them. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to disclose them on air because they are somewhat, you know, it forms part of our market research and it is somewhat commercially sensitive. But I can tell you that what we're seeing from the general public, whether that's through our social media channels, whether it's through our feedback channels, whether it's through listener surveys like your, your own, 
that they are they're, they're correlating and you know some of the top destinations that you'll see there like Greece, Turkey, you know Portugal and places in Spain. There's there's a there's a wide range of them, but then of course you will have a variety of other destinations as well that will form part of people's um well yeah yeah we we got a lot of the Greek islands. One of them actually was Santorini. Why anybody would want to go to Santorini is beyond me because you get fleeced there. I'm told fleeced. The cost of it. I, I, I can see the, I can see the rationale as well because obviously you know the Greek islands are you know spectacular, very beautiful parts of the world, and we're we are working with airline. Um, our airline customers, airline partners to secure services to Greece and Turkey. Okay, and you well, assured, Neil, that we are working on them. This not today. a bother, man. I just said I'd pass it on to you. Uh, keep doing what you're doing because the airport is thriving. May it go from strength to strength. Do you ever see a New York flight, a Boston flight, a San Francisco flight, anything like that? Transatlantic is always top of the top of the priority list here. Um, you know, and we're always working with a prospective carriers, whether it's as European carriers or US carriers. Just more recently enough there, my colleagues in Route Development were in um, a Roots Conference, Roots Europe, which is a major meeting of the airports and the airlines from across the world, obviously, but it's in a European-centric location, and it was in Poland, and they had discussions with um, a number of carriers. And again, you know, Transatlantic is as high on the priority list as it always was, Neil. We are working very hard to secure transatlantic connectivity to the east coast of the USA again. Okay, my man, thanks for taking the call. Uh, good luck with the coming, well, you're in the start of the season now, but good luck across the summer. Thanks, Barry, as always. Barry Holland, okay. Communications Manager at Cork Airport. Uh, Berlin also came up on the list. Uh, obviously, many of the Greek islands, as I said, Bulgaria. Uh, what else have we got? Jersey, uh, Munich for the ski season, Berlin, Budapest, Menorca, Glasgow for Celtic supporters. Uh, other ones then were suggesting places is like a lot for Crete actually you'd want a couple of weeks in Crete it's a fabulous place uh, Ibiza was in there as I say a direct flight to Belfast others were looking for Stockholm Lisbon many people were saying Lisbon Barcelona I think there's already a couple of flights into, into Barcelona correct me if, if I'm wrong there uh, Porto people were looking for one or two were talking about Cologne and Dusseldorf and places like that San Sebastian uh, what else do I see here oh yeah it's just Greece 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 San Francisco is there Nice in France Cardiff in Wales Vilnius in Lithuania uh, much too stressful having to spend four or five or six hours before a flight above in Dublin airport or driving back in the middle of the night uh, getting from Dublin City uh, yeah you're right Cork in the, that text just says Cork City airport is five minutes away uh, have superb services so easy to access Dublin airport was the worst place we experienced disability assistance last year Corkaboo Bulgaria more people are looking for Bulgaria Bangkok that'd be a fine thing um, uh, to New York please on an Airbus uh, Krakow isn't there I think there is a direct flight didn't I fly to Krakow in Poland I think out of, out of Cork I'm to crash on there uh, there's lots more uh, Morocco be another great destination so it would uh, Naples Oh, we'll leave it at that. There's reams of them. But pick up on the conversation. We'll come back to it in the morning. For all of the business, text 0868-104-106. Monday, munchies today, courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts, I'm told, is for McCarthy Commercials in Watergrass Hill. Everyone working so hard up here. It's my dad's company. He's been unwell lately, but he's finally getting back on his feet. And my brother was injured. Oh, dear. <laughs> 
doom and gloom. Well, I think donuts will certainly brighten the, brighten them all up and put people in good form. So, Caroline, I don't know how many staff were up there at McCarthy commercials, but uh, free uh, said free food Friday, Monday munchies today, courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts for McCarthy's commercials. Now, phone. I have to come back to everything else in the morning, but phone lines are open for George Ezra, who plays Musgrave Park on Sunday, June 11th. We have double passes to give away for that. I give away a pair of tickets now for George Ezra today and more Muzzer uh, across the week with Paolo Nettini, Florence and the Machine, Coda Line and the 1975. But for now, phone lines are open. We'll take caller 9 on 0818 and uh, Scoop yourself a couple of tickets for George Ezra on June 11th. For all other business, we'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.